All right, everybody. Well, thank you for being on the podcast again for another episode of PRI Talk. Today with me, a very special guest, um, very special guest, I should say, Um, probably the best coach I know, the uh, head volleyball coach at Lovejoy High School here in Texas, Ryan Mitchell. Ryan, thanks for being on the podcast, man. Appreciate it. Jason. Appreciate you having me and really excited to be here and talk a little volleyball today. Yeah, no, for sure. Always, always love talking volleyball. It's it's what I do all day. <laughs> Literally every day is what, is what I do. I talk about volleyball. My wife says um, my wife says the same thing about me. So, oh man, I yeah, I can't. I don't even know. Like what, coaching college and having to take recruiting recruiting phone calls in the middle of dinner. I do. I feel like all that's all I did was talk about volleyball all day. Yep. Like it was hard not to because you're just consumed by yep. it. But yeah, you get that. Um, okay, so so take me back to uh, you guys won the the state championship for volleyball last year in 2019. Obviously, won it again this year in 2020. But take, take me back to 2019. Um, it, it felt like you didn't graduate anybody. It felt like you had every single starter. <laughs> so like on on the drive back from the state championship, are you thinking about this year? Are you thinking? Like we can do this again next year. Like, what was your planning mindset? Like, did did it start from that night, or did it start from the next day? Like, kind of walk me through that whole process. Oh man, I mean, I I could probably even take you back to the year before when we got to the state. Um, yeah, I can even take you back to probably the year before in 2018. Um, our Lovejoy team got to the state finals and we lost in the finals. Um and probably I would say a little bit of an upset. And and I remember riding back on the bus and thinking, uh, and we, at that time we were graduating quite a few people thinking, mm-hmm. um, how do we turn this thing around to where we can finish the deal next year? And fast forward in 2019, we had a really great season with, we started primarily juniors and sophomores and um, yeah. won the state title. And we go back underneath, you know, underneath the, uh, the depths of the gymnasium where we play the state championship at and I'm getting undressed and into some comfortable clothes before we go out and talk to the press and my assistant coaches, you know, they walk in after I get dressed and they're like, what are you thinking about? I mean, that's awesome. And I was like, uh, we got to defend this next year. That's what I'm thinking about. <laughs> um, and I, yeah, On to the next, right? You know, I, don't the know next. If, I don't know if that's just how coaches are wired, all of them, but yeah, I, I do think that it's, it's a, it's what makes me great, but it's also what it's like, drives me crazy is that I definitely and you know I definitely hate to lose more than I love to win and so like I'm definitely Mm -hmm. moving on to the next thing always it's always what's next what's next what's next um you know fast forward to this year fast forward to this year I like tried to make it a point like do not let this be like that do not let yourself be like that and the older Mm -hmm. I get the more I try to I don't know, embrace the wins and embrace the moments and not, not always think about what's the next moment, but I'm guilty of it for sure. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, I definitely think in your position, you're, you're trying to and have one state championship. So you have that kind of battle, like for the, I mean, for the, a lot of the college coaches, I know it's the same type of thing. Like you win, that's great. And then you're on to the next, right? Like the bill check, the bill, bill Belichick, like, you know, we're on to, whoever we're playing next weekend. Like that's what we're focused on. And I think, I think a lot of coaches feel that way because we get so bogged down with like 
and, and I don't know if you if you feel like this in your position and maybe not as much as maybe some other people, but like the the I have to win, like to keep my job, like I have to I have to win to get the next recruit, like I have to win in order to keep the kids here and keep them happy. You know what I mean? Like there's all of those um, pressures on you as a coach for that uh, as that drive to win. You know, I think I think that's hard. Yeah. And I think depending on your level, I mean, obviously at the high school level, most of us aren't sitting there thinking every time I make a decision, I could lose my job here. It's not, sure. it's not as pressure packed as the college world where, you know, you're not bringing in conference titles. You could be losing your job or you're not beating such and such schools. But I, I think the great coaches, they put the pressure on themselves. I mean, I, I don't know if an outside pressure could be greater than what I put on myself to go out and win and compete year in and year out. I mean, and for Lovejoy yeah. specifically, um, I started it in 2006, so it's kind of my baby. So, like, I take it personally. Like, when we mm. lose, yes, but when something bad happens to our program or we're going through a rough, you know, patch or whatever, I take it personally, you know. And I, and I think a lot of coaches do that when they get for sure ingrained in what it is it. that they're trying to do and passionate about what they do. Yeah. And, and when you become invested in something, I mean, I think – all of us are as coaches are coaches for a reason. Cause we, we like being invested in something um, you like putting, maybe you don't like it, but like you, you put the pressure on yourself and that's how kind of how you, I don't know, just how you function. <laughs> I mean, if you weren't answer this question, if you weren't coaching, like what would you be doing? <laughs> that's a good, that's a great question. My wife actually asked me that the other day, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, right out of college, I wanted to be like a sports talk broadcaster kind of person uh-huh. um, be on the radio um yeah i always i've always been really interested in law attorney law trial law um i could be see myself doing something passionate about that but if you could get me on a radio talking sports all day it'd be something i'd really love to do but um <laughs> hey we'll just we'll bring you back uh more for for this podcast <laughs> we'll just i'll just have you on more that sounds uh, great yeah that sounds great it's it's better i i mean i enjoy doing this like i i think it's helpful but i i definitely love having i I would rather talk to other people about volleyball than talk to myself about volleyball. I don't know these guys that have these podcasts where it's just them all the time. And I do it a lot, obviously, but like, I don't know how you're just talking to a screen. You're talking to a microphone. Like that's not nearly as fun in my opinion. Yeah. Talking shop with other people is much better than to yourself for sure. Oh yeah. And it's, and it's stuff we do anyway. So we might as well actually record it unless we, you know, say things we're not supposed to. But, you know, I don't Um, know. I don't know if volleyball coaches are much different than, you know, successful businessmen or, you know, passionate people about their work. They bring it home with them. They eat it. They live it. They breathe it. I mean, I think it's across genres. I don't think it's just something that's, you know, just coaches have to deal with this. It's a different, I don't know, it it manifests itself a little bit differently in coaching, but it's pretty Mm -hmm. similar. I mean, you're competitive. You want it to win. You want to do your best. Um, the cool thing about coaching is you get to invest in other people. So then it becomes yes. not just being the best yourself. You're trying to get other people to be the best. And, yeah. and then that's where ownership comes in because when we lose or win, it's more of a happiness for them. It's a greatness for them. You know, I had mm-hmm. a kid that's going to TCU this year and Cecily Bramshriver, and she's an incredible outside hitter and incredible volleyball player. Um, but I wanted to win for her. I mean, I saw her passion and her leadership and how she's grown over the last four years. You want to see her take her team across the finish line. And so when that starts yeah. happening, I don't know, to me, that's when it's really a cool experience is when 
the wins and all the stuff your accomplishment is really for other people. And you get satisfaction out of it, but it's even greater satisfaction because you're seeing other people get it too. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and I know for me in, in what I do right now, like being able to see, cause really like the, 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 the athletes that are freshmen right now in college are like my first, I call them my first recruiting class. Right. Um, like getting to see those athletes get to where they were trying to get for so long and I got to help them get there. You know what I mean? And now they're there and they're doing it and they're, and they're loving it. Um, I, that, that part is really cool for me. It's a little bit different being in this seat than like in the coach's seat where you, you know, watch kids exactly what you're talking about. Um, but it's, but I think it's the same kind of thing. Like you want them to be successful, um, and, and the stuff you're talking about is, is the, the legacy aspect, right? Yeah. Um, you know, like you get kids invested in your program and, and they become invested and they turn around and get invested in other people, um, and have that, have that same impact. Um, no, I think that's, I think that's awesome. What are, um, tell me kind of a little bit of how COVID was an impact this year. And I know, and how you guys kind of com- combated some of the the COVID issues because obviously it impacted everyone. Um, I had uh, Lindsay Petzold on the on the podcast kind of at the beginning of the the high school season. Um, she's the head coach at Plano. I don't know if you guys know each other, um, but had her on just kind of talking about what high school season was going to look like. Um, you know, I know teams, including yours, had to like uh, overcome some some quarantine issues. And you guys weren't the only high school athletes or college athletes. I mean, it was, it happened in multiple places. What did, what did that look like for you guys going into the fall and kind of how did you overcome some of that, some of those things? So, you know, I went into the fall, I don't know if naive was the right word, but it was like, oh yeah, we're going to deal with COVID. Like we've got this, like, you know, like, <laughs> and, and then you're like, uh, wait, I don't have this and I have no control of what's going on. And you start thinking about all the mm-hmm. ramifications and, um, yeah. not just clo- I mean, not just COVID, but the whole close contact rule and trying to convince a high schooler that, you know, not only are we taking all these precautions to be, you know, be careful and stay away from COVID, but then, you know, we've also got to stay away from all your friends and family that could possibly have COVID, you know? That's yeah. a hard sell yeah. for teenage girls. It's hard sell for adults, sure. let alone teenage kids. And so, um, yeah, we were on our way to the first first game of the season. You know, everything had built to this. We're finally back. We've been practicing since March. Here we are, ready to go. And we're on our way to play one of our rivals in Prosper. And we get a call on the bus saying, uh, you know, one of the players has it. You got to shut down. You're shut down for two weeks. And so you've lost your yeah. whole preseason we'll start back up when district starts. And, and, and then I just remember just this sinking feeling of, well, one, it happened to us. And then two, are we, are we going to really be able to do this? Like, is a season really going to happen? And then selfishly you think about, I've got 10, I've got 10 returning starters or 10 returners, um, seniors, these kids who are trying to repeat and be back-to-back champions. And they've got all this on the line maybe one of the best teams in Lovejoy history to walk through the halls is about to not get their season, you know? And it was a really just sinking feeling. Um, But it kind of put in perspective what we're doing as coaches, which is, Hey, we don't have as much control as I I really had to step back and just say, you know, it's out of my control. We're going to, we're going to control the controllables. We're going to do what we can possibly do to make this season Mm -hmm. happen. 
and we're going to make it a great experience regardless of whether volleyball happens or not. And that was a really hard realization. Like, how are yeah. we going to make this a great experience for kids and still train and still get them better and still compete knowing that volleyball might not even happen? Um, and so that's kind of where it started. And so, man, I'm just – I'm incredibly grateful and blessed that we got a season in. I think Texas did a really good job of making that happen. Um, I think the high school system, UIL, did a pretty good job at planning and doing some things and were proactive compared to other states that did not do that to be able to get a complete yeah. high school season in. Um, we lost our tournaments, but relatively we got a complete high school season in. And um, the girls were able to have that senior experience and um, – I'm just did incredibly it, grateful that it happened, you know. Did it did it hit your players um, kind of in the same way? Like, were you able to be like, "Hey, y'all, this is what we're this is what we're trying to do." Um, you know, these are the steps that we really need to do, and we got to be in order for 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 our goal to happen. Like, we've got to do A, B, and C. Like, did that? Did that sink into them too? Like, were they were they pretty much on board yeah, it, kind of after that happened? This smacked them in the face. I mean, it was like it was yeah. like this reality check for me and the old, older kids, especially like the seniors. It was like, sure, we can't go down like this. This is not going to happen like this. So this is what we're going to do. Um, we started practicing with our first string and second times. One would go morning. One would go afternoon. Um, I put in double the work because of that. And so did a lot of the coaches oh, man. just, uh, yeah, that way, if our, if our first string went down, our second string could play that night. Um, we, we didn't want to lose matches, you know? Um, so we were trying to do whatever it took, you know, our starting setter was never in the same group as our backup setter Our same thing, sure. every position that we had. And, um, you know, just some out of the box type stuff and adjustments that you would never think about having to do, you know, um, that, no, no. Well, and you're definitely an out of the box, out of the box person, which I, you know, is something that I really respect about you. So that's, I mean, that's, that's huge. Was it, were they like, were they on board? Cause that was kind of my next question. Like <laughs> you've got a group of athletes that, that any other high school coach would like, I would for sure take, one of those kids, like more or less the eight starters, nine starters that you have, you know what I mean? Um, so like, and, and you said it slapped them in the face, but like all the stuff you're talking about, like, were they like, yeah, Ryan, we're on board. Like we get it. We understand like we're parents, right. Cause parents are the other kind of X factor here. Like we're, we're parents on board and understanding what you were trying to do and not like push yeah. kids out, but, but like, hey, we've got to you know, make sure if, our season happens, you know, right? Is that, how, how is balancing all of all of that? Kind of stuff. I, I think that if I would say one thing that is a strength of mine is communication and being able to just uh, be really direct and honest and not um, personal or attacking or emotional mm -hmm. about what it is that I'm saying. And, and so we handled this in the same way of I brought the parents together and we talked after we got quarantined, we had a zoom meeting. I zoomed with all the parents and all the varsity kids and just said, Hey, these are, you know, these are the obstacles that we're going to have to deal with. These are possible repercussions. If we don't deal with them, these are the steps that we're going to take and they are out of the box and they are different, 
but we're going to do that so that your daughter does get this experience. Sure. And, and, you know, when you put it that way and you clearly line out what it is you're doing, why you're doing it, I mean, they might disagree with it. And some of them mm-hmm. might have. Um, but there is no doubt about what your heart is yeah. behind the decision that you're making. It's in the best interest of the kids in the program. We're going to move forward with this and we all need to be on the same page. And sure. I literally didn't get one complaint, which, I mean, that's amazing. I mean, there's no, <laughs> you know, but I, I think it's because they were awesome. able to see my heart. <laughs> and my communication of, hey, yeah. Why is it that we have to do this? This is not a normal year. I would love to do all of the things that we've done in the past, but this year is going to have to be different. And so how can we make a great difference? You know, instead of woe is me and complaining about, well, we can't have a banquet mm-hmm. this year. Or we can't have team dinners the night before games. I mean, that does stink. I mean, that is, I mean, that's terrible that the girls don't get those traditions, but what are some traditions that we can do? Yeah. You know? I mean, we were quarantined on Easter, but I went and delivered an Easter mm-hmm. basket to every kid in my program with candy and a note. Yeah. It's like, what can you still do to make memories when you're, you've been given this, you know, Thanks. deck of cards that you weren't planning on getting, you know? Yeah. Got to, got to, you know, do, do what you can in the moment that you can. You can't always do the things they've always been done. You got to change and grow and develop. And yeah, no, I, I think that's, I think that's great. Um, so good lead in actually to kind of my next question. Where are you? I mean, high school season's over. You're in the middle of club season, got a great team looking forward to watching them all play. Um, you've experienced all this stuff through high school season like, what does club look like going forward this club season, you think? And we're getting into the lots of what-ifs and variables and stuff like that. But but in the climate right now and all these outside factors affecting club volleyball tournaments, qualifiers, whether coaches can or can't come, um, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. What, what's your perspective walking through club season right I'm now? I'll be honest and just say that, I think that the club <laughs> world has done a disservice to the kids um, and themselves this year. I think that I think that clubs had a really unique opportunity to pivot and do something different and great this year that was out of the box. And I don't even know if that was even on the table. It was how can we do some sort of version of what we already do every single year and make that work? Um, it, it just amazes me that the climate that we're in, um, you know, we're rolling Mm -hmm. out schedules where teams are still expecting that we're going to travel to seven or eight tournaments. Um, I just don't know if that's realistic. And so, so what to me is going to happen is, is that we're going to meet these deadlines like we did with uh, Kansas city and tournaments are going to have to cancel. And then we're going to have to pivot that way. When I think there could have been some regionalization of the sport and some cheaper travel and some, Let's yeah. stay local in the you know closest four states and play amongst each other. And um, maybe we travel toward May and in the summer months. But I don't know. I think there could have been some outside-of-the-box thinking to get us all accomplishing what we want to accomplish, but yet not try to bite off so much that I don't know that we can chew right now. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I've got a good club team, and I, I love to travel. I mean, I love it. But I don't know that it's realistic sure. this year. I don't. I'll be real surprised if we get to just go to qualifiers like normal, won't you? 
I no, yeah, I'm I'm definitely kind of in that boat. And I was I was really hopeful come like November, um, maybe the end of October, being like, okay, we're on, we're getting on the other side of that, on the other side of this, and then things started going, yeah. um, you know, backwards. And and I kind of um, I don't know if you know Hugh uh, Hermsman uh, super well, but I I talked to him after AAUs um, in Florida last summer. And I kind of was thinking this is going to be the blueprint, right? This is what qualifiers and stuff are going to look like for this next year, unless, you know, we, we literally are, are done with this whole COVID thing, which I don't, I mean, I didn't think we were, it was one of my big um, hesitations in the, all the fall sports switching to the spring. I was like, we're not going to be in a different place come January, most likely. Right. Um, but I was really hopeful kind of the end of fall. I was like, Hey, maybe, Maybe we're going to do this, but uh, I was really surprised that more qualifiers didn't take the AAU approach where they go, here's what our plan is right now. And obviously we can scale that back if we need to, but like taking the way more conservative approach and, 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 and Hugh was talking about AAUs, like everything was really spread out in that convention center. Um, you didn't have any extra people walking around. Um, he said sometimes they had to wait like two or three minutes to get a ball. Cause they were just, they were so spread out that the ball just kept going. There wasn't, there wasn't chairs or people to stop the ball. Like you just, the ball went, I mean, they did temperature checks every morning when you walked in the convention center, you know, they weren't selling food and stuff. So they, they did a lot of things to, in my mind, to be as proactive as possible. And I was really surprised that some of the other tournaments, especially a tournament like Triple Crown, didn't come out and say, like, this is what we're planning on doing. We're going we're gonna to cut it back. We're going to dial things down, um, you know, really limit the amount of teams um, and, and, and things like that. And obviously it didn't happen. And now Triple Crown is canceled, which is a huge yeah. loss for so many reasons. Um, and I'm waiting for Show Me to get canceled, right? Because Show Me is the first two weekends in April in Kansas city. And according to these new rules that, that affected triple crown, um, like you can't have a qualifier in April with these new rules. Cause they extend through may apparently. So no, I, I think there were, no, I think you're right. I think there's some know, outside think, of the box thinking think would have been beneficial. Said, um, you know, this is I, a big tough situation, yeah, which it is. I don't know. Um, it's, it's let's definitely just try to do our best and power through and we hope it's gone. And I just think there could have been some, no, let's step back. It's not going to be gone. For sure. Let's plan for it like it's not going to be gone. Um, Yeah. And, and, you know, the whole college situation and playing in the spring and the recruiting window. Yes, 100%. To me, it changes just so much. I mean, so now I'm a 16-, 17-year-old, 18-year-old parent and player, and I'm traveling the country during COVID Mm -hmm. to get a bid to nationals. Like, there's no college coaches there. So, you know, it just starts to be kind of like, why? Like, why are we doing this? Like, what's our motivation? What? And so I just, I don't know. I think there would be, there was a window and opportunity to make it better. And I don't know that we accomplished that, you know. Um, But it's, it's what it is. And we'll play by the rules we're given, right? Hey everyone, thanks for listening. 
If you have found this podcast interesting, helpful, or beneficial, or you're just a huge fan of myself, then please think about donating to the PRI Talk podcast. I would love to continue bringing you recruiting advice, as well as information on current volleyball events, and your support can definitely help make that happen. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. If you would like more tips, updates, or recruiting assistance, go to my website, privolleyball.com, check out my blog, or reach out to me directly if you have any other questions. You can also find me on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Parallel Recruiting Initiative. If you need specific recruiting help, I have a couple different ways I can help you. Please reach out to me on my website or social media. Thanks for listening.